name, amen. So I want to talk to you about valleys to victories. How many, um, probably everyone here, has gone through or is going through a valley? Trying times. We've all gone through trying times. I just want to speak to the elephant in the room <laughs> that there are some things that we're going through. And uh, um, well, let's start with Hosea 2.15. This verse is out of the Amplified Classic. And it says, there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of anchor, Akur, I'm sorry, which means valley of trouble uh, to be for her a door of hope and expectation. So a valley of trouble, he will make a valley of trouble to be a door of hope. How many are excited about that word? <laughs> which one? Well, the hope one. But it says he will give her vineyards and he will make the valley of trouble for her a door of hope and expectation. And so the valley of trouble can be a door of hope and expectation if we approach it correctly. So I want to, I wanna, uh, let me just mention this. So you all know my husband uh, went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in 2020, right in the beginning, before everything happened in January 2020. And I remember, you know, he had done it before when he was 25. We all know that story. So um, he knew what to expect. He had already climbed the mountain. So because he knew what to expect, he trained for it. He did uh, the Stairmaster at the highest level for how an hour or something. I don't know. I don't know. But he trained the best he could. I'll say it like that. Uh, you know, and he was turning 60 that year, so I was like, you know, you should do this for your 60th birthday. It'll be a good thing. So, of course, he's, you know, an overachiever, so he's ready to go. So, anyway, he's trained for it. He knew what to expect. So, he gets there, and the first time he traveled it, he did it with his brother, and there were how many? In it was just a porter and the two of them. And how many days did it take? Three days. And so the second time he went, he knew what to expect. He trained, got ready for it. And he went with how many people? 120 of all ages, right? Young to old, older. So around your age-ish, yeah. And then the youngest was probably, what, 20, 18? Yeah, so she's like 19 or 20. And so... Most of them, I would dare to say, probably did not train or get ready because they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what was coming. And they had porters to carry their... <laughs> they had porters to carry their things. And so, um, so my point is, and how many days did it take? Seven days. Okay, don't, don't give too much information. So... Anyways, my point in, in bringing this up is when he went, he knew what to expect. He had trained for it and, and went with all these people. And it took forever to go up this mountain with all these people. And he was very frustrated because he knew what to expect. So instead of going straight up the mountain, he went up the mountain like this. <laughs> he zigzagged all the way up the mountain. He couldn't stand just to go straight up because it was too boring. It was too boring. It was not enough to go up that mountain. He knew what to expect, but it's a mountain for heaven's sake. 
But it wasn't in his mind a mountain because he had already been there. He had already trained for it. It wasn't a big deal. Going too slow of a pace, yada, yada, yada. So I was thinking about this. You know, we go through times in our life where we're going through valleys. We're going over mountains. We're going through all kinds of things in our life. And how many know once you've gone through something, a troubling time, you look back and go, man, I should have done that different. I could have done that different. I should have handled that different. How many, how many have said that? I could have handled that differently. I messed up. And had you known what to expect and what was coming, you probably would have had some training to get ready for it, right? You would have kind of handled things differently, right? And so our whole journey, our whole life is about growing in our faith. And probably the majority of your life, you're going to be waiting on something, waiting for uh, a miracle, waiting for a financial breakthrough, waiting for a job, waiting for a healing, waiting for uh, a position, waiting for God to move, waiting. There's a lot of waiting in this life. In the process, though, how well are we waiting? Are we waiting with anticipation? Are we waiting with expectation? Are we waiting with information from the word? Are we waiting knowing that he's going to come through? Are we waiting with a good attitude? Are we waiting knowing that he is able? Are we waiting with complaints? Are we waiting with frustrations? Are we waiting with our mind all over the place? Are we going forward and then are we going backward? Are we, how are we waiting? And I'm speaking to the choir here. I'm not coming down on anybody because everything we give to you is stuff that we're going through ourselves. And so I, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, this says that you will take a valley of trouble and make it a door of hope. Is that, how, is that up to how you can handle it or is that up to how I can handle it? Is it up to his ability or is it up to my expectancy? Is it up to the word of God being in operation in my life? Or is it up to me wavering, going back and forth, back and forth, believing God, and then the next day I'm saying something negative about what I'm believing for. And the next day I'm saying, oh, I'm believing God. And then the next day I'm saying, I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, the word we've talked about, the word says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and he gets nothing from the Lord. So is it possible for us to be able to not be double-minded? Is it possible for us to achieve and accomplish and receive what we've been believing for? It is possible. The word says all things are possible to him who believes. But how do we maintain this steady, steadfast? And we talked about it in ladies on Monday, that there is a steadfastness that is required of us to obtain the promised end, the promised result. It's in James. And it requires us to have endurance, perseverance, and steadfastness. Well, when I hear perseverance, when I hear steadfastness, when I hear endurance, all those words to me sound like work. <laughs> Don't they? They sound like work. But when we're yoked up to him, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And so we just have to step out of our place of, of um, uh, strength and ability and step over into this supernatural place where the endurance, the perseverance, the steadfastness clicks in, it kicks in, and it enables us to ride it out until the end. How do we do that? You know, we just, uh, we just, uh, we have a friend who had a, what's that thing called? Peloton? 
bike, Peloton bike. You guys know what that is? And uh, um, so we purchased this Peloton bike from our friend, and then we found out we had to have special shoes. <laughs> These shoes are expensive. We didn't know you had to have special shoes. These shoes click in to the bike. They don't slip around. Y'all, how many have cycled before? You know what I'm talking about. They click in. Your feet can't slide around. They're not going anywhere. You're steadfast in your cycling. You're in a steadfast pace. And I was thinking about it uh, today uh, about this. You got to put those shoes on. Well, what shoes do we have in the word? What is the armor? I got my feet shod with the preparation of peace. So those shoes in equip us and enable us to keep our feet steadfast in that motion where we're going. When our feet slip off, we can't keep pedaling, we can't keep movement, we can't keep motion. There can't be momentum. We're just slipping around. You know what I'm saying? And I talked about this with the ladies, how when you, we, we've, I've done a couple of cycling, well, a few cycling classes with Sandra, and there's, there's the speed part, and then there's the tension part. You got a little dealy dial that you dialed. Okay, let's pick up the tension. Well, how many feel like sometimes you've gone through something where you feel like I can't take any more tension? <laughs> Emma's the first one to raise her hand. I can't take any more tension. This is enough. But you know what that lady does when we're in that class and she's screaming at us, give me five more strides or give me whatever, you know. They're yelling at you and you're thinking, I can't do this. But she says, don't say I can't do this in your mind. You can do it. You've got that much more. Ladies, if you've had a baby, you know that kind of that's how it is when you're having your child. You're thinking, I don't know if I can do this. And somehow you're able to just do it anyway. We have more capability in us than we give ourselves credit for. Our minds are a powerful thing. Where the mind goes, the man follows. And so I want to just encourage us with this just few minutes that we have tonight, these 30 minutes, that in your valleys and in your places that you're going through trials, that you can have victory right in the midst of what you're going through. It's all about where your mind is set. And we're going to talk about it just a little bit. You guys ready? So the word wealth, <clears throat> excuse me, or the Strong's definition for the word hope is hope, expectation, something yearned for and anticipated. How many yearn for some things in, in your life right now? Eagerly, something for which one waits. And this is the Hebrew word. It comes from the verb kwava, meaning to wait for or to look hopefully in a particular direction. Isn't that good? So it's not looking all around. If I'm waiting on the Lord and I'm expecting something from him, I'm not looking at my finances. I'm not looking at the circumstances. I'm not looking at the time frame. I'm not looking at how bad things are because that's what Eve did and she got herself into trouble. No, I'm looking at one thing. One thing. I'm looking in his face. And I'm looking at what his word says. And I'm looking at what the promises are. And that's what I meditate on. Because what I meditate on is what I'm feeding on. And what I'm feeding on is what I was growing on the inside. And that's what's going to be produced out of my life. That's the fruit of what's going to come out of my life. If I'm meditating on the problem, if I'm meditating on the health issue, if I'm meditating on the financial issue, guess what's going to come out into my mind, my meditation, and what's going to come out of my mouth is the problem. And then I'm going to waver in my faith. Well, one day I'm going to be good, and one day I'm not going to be good. And the steadfastness is not going to be there. 
And that's where the promise and the reward comes. That scripture that talks about steadfast and perseverance is necessary to receive the promises. Amen? Would you find that scripture for me? I think it's Hebrews 1. I gave it in the ladies. Um, I didn't write it down. But, okay, so let's talk about David. David, he was in the Valley of Elah. He was, they were listening to Goliath rant for 40 nights and days. Uh, you guys know the story. Goliath had, you know, he was almost 10 feet tall. He wore 125 pounds worth of equipment on his body. And uh, I was reading it in, in 1 Samuel. Let's read it together. 1 Samuel 17. It says, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight with him. The first thing that occurred to me when I read this was like, here's a young boy, and he's not concerned about himself. He comes in and says, let no man's heart fail because he's thinking about his, the people. He's thinking about his brothers. He's thinking about everybody else. Do you realize that when you're in the midst of a valley, when there's things coming at you, that it's not just your victory that you're winning, but it's victory for people around you? Because everybody's watching how you're going through something. Not just the pastors. Not there, people aren't just watching our life, but they're watching your life. People that you work with. And it's a witness and it's a testimony of how you're walking through it. So David says, let no man's heart fail because of this Philistine. Your servant, me, I'll go out and fight. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go fight against this Philistine. You're only an adolescent. And, he's, and this guy, he's been a warrior from his youth. Something that occurred to me with this was... He was comparing him and telling him, you're not good enough. That guy's been a warrior. How many times we're going through something, the devil reminds us of how much we're not able to do anything. How little we are and how little our faith is. And you failed here and you failed there and you're going to fail this one again. He starts to get in our face and make us feel like we can't do it. That's what he was doing. Saul was telling David, this guy, Goliath, has been a, a warrior since his youth. David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep. And where there was a lion or again a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out for it and smote it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and smote it and killed it. Your servant, he probably didn't even know this had happened. Your servant killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defiled the armies of the living God. Now, I love this because he calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, he is not in covenant with God. And he's come against the warriors and the people of God. How dare you? We, we've got God on our side. So when you've got things coming against you, you just say, you know what? I have a covenant with God. I have a right. I am blessed. I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing of God. And the enemy's not coming after my blessing. Right? Okay, so David said, The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So somewhere in there, he got a little bit of light that David was able. David tells him, Yeah, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear, I've delivered the lamb, and I can do this. Now, I would imagine he'd probably done it more than once or twice. I don't know. If you did it, if you... Have you seen a bear close up? <laughs> Have you seen a lion close up? I don't know. I can just even imagine. I don't know what would be worse, a lion, a bear, or Goliath. I don't know. Maybe a Goliath with a swinging sword. I guess that would be bad. But, but I'm thinking, this guy is not afraid. But it's not just because he's killed a lion and a bear, because he knows who his God is. And he knows his God is on his side. 
And I just want to encourage you, whatever it is you're going through right now, you might have faced some lions and some bears in their, their magnitude of what you've been facing in your life, but nothing is too big for our God. There is no giant that's too big for our God. Amen? And so then David says to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. This is verse 45. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. So he came at him not with his mouth shut, but he came out with his mouth open. He, you, when you're running at your giant, you cannot run with your mouth shut. You got to be saying something. You got to say something to your circumstances. You got to be speaking to your mountain. Your mountain is only going to move if your mouth is open saying something about how big your God is. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He said it. He said it before he got there. He said, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will smite you and I will cut off your head. Wow, that's pretty daring. But you know what? He was declaring the end from the beginning. He was saying before he got to him, this is going to happen. And I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistine this day to the birds of the air and the beasts of the, of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God of Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord serves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. He declared it before he went into it. So he, he fought the lion, he, he fought the bear, he fought the giant. But what did he do? What was key to his battle? His mouth was open and declaring something to his enemy. And I want to encourage you tonight, whatever your enemy or your giant or your valley or your mountain is in your life, what are you saying to it? And we've said this before. You lose by default if your mouth is shut. you got to be saying something. You can't just meditate. Hmm, the Lord is with me. Hmm. No, you got to be saying something to your mountain. you got to speak because there's in the breath that God gives you, there is life. There's power of death and life and the power of the tongue. And if you're speaking something to your circumstances, I'm telling you, it makes it change. It makes it shift. It makes it turn. That's how God spoke the worlds into being. He spoke and he gave breath to, to Adam. He gave breathe life into Adam with that same breath, that creative force. And there's creative force in your words. So you got to be creating something. What are you creating with your words tonight? Amen. So the threats came, and David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He recognized he had no covenant. You got to talk back. Have you guys ever noticed? I don't know. Do we have a talk back mic yet? We've been talking about it. Uh, I've, we've ministered with some people before where I, I noticed the, the guy's up there. He's got this microphone besides the one he's singing in, and he's talking to the guy in the back, saying, you know, we need this, we need this, we need uh, turn up you know, whatever, uh, go back to this. And what's happening is there's communication. And what communication does is it enables things. It, it equips things. It, it helps things flow better. And that's what happens when you're talking back to your situation. There's a talk back that you need to have towards your, your, your battle, towards your enemy, so that there's an expectation of a change. If you're not saying anything, you don't have much to base it on. You, you see what I'm saying? So when you're talking and you're saying something, you can expect, it's an expectancy that you're putting out. You're declaring the word. And God watches over his word to, to fulfill it. And so if we're saying something about our circumstances, we're getting the word of God, get in the word, find out what he says about your situation, and speak the word only. Don't talk about the problem. And, you know, I've had people say, well, I'm just kind of telling you where I'm at. I'm just telling you my circumstances. Well, I don't know if you need to tell all the circumstances all the time. Because when you do that, all you're doing is filling your, your mind and, and the atmosphere with all kinds of negativity. You get what I mean? 
And then what happens is you've heard yourself talk about it. So not only have you spoken it out, but now your spirit's hearing it. And then you just sort of feel like you're kind of just down a little bit. You guys know what I'm talking about? Has this happened to you? I know it's happened to me. And so, but if you start talking the answer, you start declaring what the word says, all of a sudden your spirit rises up and it clicks in and it says, no, I have an expectancy that's not, it's not a natural expectancy. It's a supernatural expectancy because it's from the Lord. And there's something that you're giving way to the Holy Ghost. You're giving him room to move, right? You guys with me? Okay. So if you talk defeat, you invite feet, defeat. If you talk defeat, you invite defeat. Don't agree with the enemy. When the enemy shouts, no job, no money, no health, uh, your child's not serving the Lord, uh, it'll always be this way, you got to say something back, right? So there is a gateway of hope, and it requires words of life. The gateway of hope or the doorway to hope, it, requi it is requires words of life. So David, he magnified God. He went in. He said, I will defeat you in the name of our Lord. And the people magnified Goliath, if you notice. And the people, before their eyes, uh, Goliath was big. And that's what happens when we magnify our problem in our mountain. It becomes bigger than what it really is. So what you magnify will manifest. Amen? And so where's the battlefield? It's in, the, it's in the mind. The battlefield is here. So we don't run and hide. We talk back to it, right? You cannot move forward or grow if you never stretch, stretch forward and reach for what God has for you. Obstacles will come. We will have obstacles in this life. The Word of God says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, but he delivers us out of them all. And so, uh, but it doesn't just come by just, just, you know, waiting around for it to come. You, no, you got to say something. You got to be declaring something about your situation. But you have the answer on the inside of you. You might be waiting for a financial breakthrough and think, oh, well, some miracle is going to come in my mailbox. And those things happen. I'm not saying they don't. Uh, you know, I'm believing God for my healing and someday it's just going to happen. Well, okay. But you know what? The answer is on the inside of you. You already have the answer because you have the Holy Spirit. David recognized that. He didn't go looking for something to help him defeat the giant. He went over to a pond. I had Braden collect these for me before he came. And he pulled out five sm smooth, these aren't smooth, five smooth stones. It was right there where he was. He didn't go looking, okay, where's the prophet of God to speak over me and declare some word? Then, then I can actually move out on in the spirit because it's the Spirit spoke through the prophet, and now I can do something. No, he recognized. And you know what? This I was asking the Lord about this on the way here. I said, why five stones? And I feel like every stone represented some animal that he had defeated. This is the bear. Maybe this is the lion. Maybe this is the cougar. I don't know. Maybe he defeated three bears and two lions. I don't know. But I felt like he just, you know, he all he needed was one, and he knew all he needed was one. But for some reason, he took five. And I think each one of them represented something that he had defeated. Just to remind himself, you did it before, you can do it again. How many help yourself in your faith when you remind yourself, I did, it, I did this before. God brought me out before, and he'll do it again. He came through before, and he'll do it again. He healed my child's body, and he'll do it again. He saved my, my son from addictions, and he'll do it again. Amen? He provided for me before, and he'll do it again. Amen? And so that answer is on the inside of us. We reach down in, inside and say, God, 
I've seen you do it before, and you'll do it again. You're a faithful father. And those stones, those rocks on the inside that we carry, those, those stones of, uh, that he builds within us, the, the stones that uh, establish our faith, that's what we build our faith on is those times, you know, the word of God, but those times that we've seen him faithful. What helps you through a time, a season? You remind yourself how faithful God's been. How many do that? When you're going through a situation, the first thing we always say is, God's been faithful before. He'll do it again. That's what they did in Second Chronicles when they were going around in the battle of Jehoshaphat, and they were facing that battle, and they said, well, let's get before the Lord. And they went back and said, well, he was faithful to our fathers. He's been faithful to us, and he'll be faithful to our sons. He's a faithful God. And the angel came and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And they collected the, you guys know, and they were self-defeated, and, the, and they, were, uh, they collected the spoil. And so what helped them through that? Reminding themselves of how faithful God has been. And I believe that's what uh, uh, David did. He was reminding himself of how faithful God had been before to help him supernaturally, supernaturally to defeat the bear and the lions and the enemies before. And he will do it again with this big Goliath. Amen? So whatever it is you're going through, it could be a big Goliath right now. It could look like a 10-foot tall giant in front of you. Just know that God has been faithful, and he will be faithful till the very end. He did it before. He'll do it again. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's a trustworthy father. I think, you know, that's one of the things we're challenged with right now is trust. Trust is an issue in this world. We, we put our trust in people, and they let us down. We put our trust in situations, and they let us down. But we can trust our father. He's a faithful God. He's a trustworthy father. Amen? Okay, so are you good? So you have the answer within you. David reaches for what was within his reach, five stones. So what answer do you have on the inside of you? One of your answers is praise. One of your answers is praise. I'm going to clean this, please. Um, how many know that praise is a weapon? Thank you. Sorry. How many know praise is a weapon? Amen. All right, I'm going to make you all stand up here in a minute because you're going to sleep on me. I I've been in services where people did that. They stood. <laughs> so praise God. We have a weapon on the inside of us. And I love, what's that song we sing? Uh, hallelujah. The one, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. Sometimes in the middle of some circumstances and things that are going on, you just need to raise your voice and raise a hallelujah because that is a weapon against the enemy. He can't stand it because he knows that's where he is defeated. Amen. So sometimes we got to raise a hallelujah. And, you know, some people that experienced that were Paul and Silas when they were in the jail. You guys know the story. They had been jailed, and they were in the midst of uh, waist high, uh, waist <laughs> and sewage. And they lifted their voices. They were chained, their arms, their legs. Everything was chained except their mouth was left open. And they, the weapon that they had was to raise up a hallelujah. And we know the story that their chains were loose. They went out. They got the guy saved on the way out and got his whole family saved. Another one was Jonah. We know the story of Jonah in the whale. What got him out? He started praising God in the middle of a whale. Thank God we don't have to go sit in a whale somewhere and praise our way out. <laughs> I don't care what you're going through. I think a whale's circumstance would be worse than anything we've ever gone through, right? And here he is sitting in a whale, and he starts raising up praises to God. And, of course, you guys know the story. He spits him out. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel 3, my favorite story as a kid. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace, heated up, was it seven or ten times hotter? And uh, uh, you guys know the story. The men that put them in there, they were, they were burned up just by the, the uh, exposure of the heat. They get in there. They start praising God. Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar says, I see four men. I put in three. Who is this fourth man? He looks like the son of God. It was Jesus in there. So when we're in the midst of going through trials, when we're in the midst of going through hard times, if we'll lift up, what does the word say? He inhabits. He lives there. He abides there. He inhabits the praises of his people. So he comes and he dwells and he lives and he abides with us. And I know, I know, I know when you're in the midst of a situation, the last thing you feel like doing is going, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) How many feel like lifting your voice when your body's hurting and and, and you're, you're, you know, negative in your bank account and you got to pay a big bill or something's coming up with a relationship and you're just hurting on the inside? There's all kinds of distractions coming at us. There's things that are happening in our life. The last thing we feel like doing, notice I said feel like doing, is lifting our voice and saying, thank you, Jesus. But you know what? The word says that when we lift our voices and we give him praise, he inhabits those praises. And we invite him in, and it's our way of escape. And he comes in and just lifts us up out of that place. And what happens is we magnify him above our situation, above our circumstances. How many times have we had to do this? Especially, I think, uh, uh, relationships are probably one of the biggest things. You know, spousal relationships, things that go on in the home with children and different things. It's like, oh, it's time to praise the Lord. (laughs) It's time to lift our voices. You know, we've had to do that with our kids when we first moved here, and there was lots of turmoil, and they were upset that we moved, and there was all kinds of fighting and things going on. Yes, our kids fought when they were, they were together, and it's, you know, not abnormal for kids to fight, but especially when they're going through stuff. And what we, what we did was we said, let's acknowledge God in this moment. And that's what happens. When you acknowledge God, you bring in the light, and it dispels the darkness, there's no darkness that can remain when you're lifting up the name of Jesus. And so that's one of our weapons. That's one of our key tools that we have against him is to lift up praise, to lift up worship. And I love it. I, I love worshiping him, don't you? It's just get, when you get in that place, it's such a, a comfort. It's a, it's a strengthening. It's, it's, a, it's a, a secret place. We go to the secret place. Praise God. So uh, it pierces through the darkness. So we, we know the whole story of what happened with David. He defeated him. He cut his head off. And uh, so I want to encourage you, don't take ownership of your troubles. Don't take ownership of your anxiety. Don't take ownership. I hear a lot of people say, well, my cancer, my anxiety, or my allergies, that's a big one, my asthma, my back problem, my this, my knee problems, my, my thumb problems, my, I'm just saying that, I I know, I'm just saying it. I'm just throwing it out there. So, but you know, we don't own those things. Those are trials. Those are valleys. Those are things that we're just walking through. We're just taking a walk. <laughs> David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. He didn't say, yea, though I sit down. The, the, I don't camp out. I don't hang out. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, evil because you are with me. And I love the part where it says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You know, there's times when we go through trials 
I don't like to use the word testing. I know there probably is an element of testing in there. God doesn't send tests to us, but there are things that are allowed. That's what we believe. The enemy is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus brings us life and life abundantly. But there are trials. You cannot deny. How many can deny that there are? We go through trials. We go through stuff that's hard stuff. And when we go through those valleys, notice we keep walking. We get to the other side. Guess what's on the other side? There's an anointing. There's an anointing. That anointing carries us through, and it saturates us, and the presence of God enables us. And guess what? When we go to walk up that mountain again, we're like, oh, I've seen this mountain before. I know how to do this, and I know how to do it well. Because God enables me, and I've done it before. And it's all because of his power and his spirit that enabled me to get through it the first time. Guess what? If you don't get over it the first time, just like the children of Israel, you're going to be going around it 40 times. And I want to encourage you. Let's do it right. Let's do it well. Let's do it right the first time so that we don't have to do it over and over and over again. Because guess what? We need to persevere. We need to endure we need to get to that place where we're strengthening, we're building spiritual muscle, so we're on the top of the mountain and we're helping somebody else up. Oh, I've seen that side of the mountain. Let me help you. You don't have to have that attitude during that through that mountain. You don't have to fall, fail in your faith. You don't have to be dismayed. You don't have to be upset. Let me just help you. Let's just laugh a little bit. Let's have some joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's the number one thing that happens when we're going through a trial. What does it suck out of you? It sucks the life out of you. It sucks the strength out of you. But it sucks the joy out of you. Joy is the evidence that you're walking in faith in the fullness of it. And if that fruit is not there, then we need to get in that place of ha, ha, ha. I need to laugh a little bit. And we've talked about it before that your physical body does not know the difference when you are saying ha, ha, ha on purpose, and when you're laughing at a joke on purpose or by accident, your body, yes, it burns calories. It, it, you, your body doesn't know the difference, so it responds the same. So if I just get up in the morning, and I used to do this with my kids, I say, let's take our medicine. I don't want to just for 30 seconds, let's just put on some joy. And I'd make them just, I didn't make them, but I said, let's, let's laugh a little bit at the devil. And we just, I said, just think about something that he's, you know, that he's defeated in in your life. And we just go, and they go, ha, 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 you know, because they're tired and it's the morning. And, but you know what? It's good practice. You don't, you don't sit down at the piano and just become, you know, Beethoven by the first lesson. You have to sit down and pound it out and figure it out and learn some things and practice it. And it takes a whole lot of practice to become uh, accomplished at the piano, right, or any instrument at that. It's the same way with, with putting on your joy. You don't sit down and just, oh, ha, 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 you know, just, you know, it just flows out of me. No, I got to practice putting on some joy. And that happens when you're in the middle of something going on. I had some things going on today, and I was trying to get ready. I got distracted so many times. Didn't even get this till about 3 o'clock, and I was like, Lord, help me. There's so many distractions and things, and it was about to steal my joy. And I had to start laughing and say, okay, I'm just going to pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Ghost is going to show me what to say and do. And that's, I'm telling you, he just dropped it in my spirit what, what he wanted me to give tonight. 
And it's nothing new. I know you've heard this before, but I just want to encourage you. There is a place of victory when you're going through a valley, when you're going through something. Let's do it well, because if you do it well and you don't slip your foot off of the cycling uh, pedal, then you can get to the other side. If you're slipping your foot off of it all the time, you're not going to accomplish much. You're not going to build much muscle. You're not going to be persistent and ready for the next uh, battle or the next thing that you're going to walk through, right? Okay, so don't get stuck. Pass through the valley. Get to the door of the gateway of blessing. There's an anointing where our cup runs over through this trial. Amen? Stay in faith in the valleys. There's no giant too big for God. The valley does not intimidate God. Aren't you grateful for that? And it doesn't intimidate me either. Can you say that? It does not intimidate me either. I know God is able to make all grace abound to me. He is able. So I'm only halfway through my notes. But you guys know the story in 2 Samuel 5.20 where, where David was getting ready to defeat. He was at the Valley of Rephim, and that's called the Valley of Giants. He was in the midst of lots of giants. It was during his kingship. He was in his 30s. He had already defeated one giant, but now he was in the Valley of Giants, and he was defeating many giants facing him. He went before, before the Lord. Lord, am I supposed to uh, uh, fight these guys? He asked the Lord, should I fight them? Will you give them to me? God said, yes, you do it. I'll give them to you. And 2 Samuel 5.20 says, and David came to Baal Perazim. And he smote them there and said, the Lord has broken, uh, through my en- broke, broken through my enemies before me, like the bursting out of great waters. Isn't that good? So he called the name of that place Baal, Baal Perazim, which means the Lord of breaking through, the Lord of breakthrough. And that's where we get that God is my breakthrough. And this is the English Standard Version. And David came to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name that, of that place is called Baal Perazim. Don't you like that? Have you ever seen a flood? It has much force. God brought those people he defeated those people, though, that enemy of David, like a flood. He came before him and just wiped him out. This translation, God's Word translation says, So David went to Baal Perazim and defeated Philistines there. He said, The Lord has overwhelmed my enemies in front of me like an overwhelming flood. I'm giving you different translations because I want you to see that it was overwhelming how they were defeated. How many are ready for some of your enemies to be overwhelmed by the power of God in your life? Amen. Isaiah 59, 19, I know, I know you guys are familiar with this. It says, so, and I love this. This is the Amplified Classic. It says, as the result of the Messiah's intervention. Isn't that good? As the result of Jesus, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy will come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to flight. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the breath of the Lord drives out. I love that. I love that. I get a visual of that. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard up against him and drive out the enemy. Hang with me just a minute because I want to give you an example of what raising the standard means. Raising the standard requires boldness and faith in the face of evil and opposition. It's not, it's not whiny. It's not a victim. It's not, I don't know. It's, not, it's, it's bold. It's in faith. And it faces the evil opposition, and it says, You have given a banner to those who fear, fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Psalm 64 says, A standard also means moral excellence and a measurement of value as well as a model of authority. So we have authority over the enemy. Whatever it is we're facing, we can use that authority against him. 
And then Isaiah, this is the last scripture here, Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. I love this because this is a, a sevenfold description of the attributes of the Lord's Spirit. Uh, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, godliness, and the fear of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. This is what we can walk in when we're walking in the fullness, these seven things. We are not moved by, we don't judge things by the sight of our eyes. We don't judge things by what we're hearing with our ears. We walk in wisdom. We walk in the knowledge of the Lord. We walk in the fear of the Lord. And he is there to accomplish those things that concern us. Isn't that good? Some valleys are, are, are due to poor decisions. We understand that. Some valleys are because there's no decision at all. Some valleys are, uh, you know, they come because maybe we just didn't make a good decision or whatever. But God is so merciful and so gracious at the moment we come to him and say, God, help me. Help me. I repent. Help me. I need your mercy. I need your grace. And I need your favor to go before me. The word of God says that the favor of God goes before me and it gives me favor with God and with man. That favor, that word favor means good understanding and high esteem. I have good understanding and high esteem with God and man. And it doesn't matter what, what I've messed up, what I, where I've fallen short, he's able to make all grace abound. And so I want to just say, gird up, gird up, because this is a new year. We've been talking about setting your course, and you can't set your course and then fall off the mountain every other month. You've got to be pushing forward. You've got to be girding up. You've got to be setting your course in the Word of God. Get the Word in your mouth and on your lips and be declaring that you're a winner now, not going to be. You are victorious in Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. We are winners today, and we have victory in Jesus today. Amen?